We start a new sermon series this, this morning, and it, um, it's going to be focused on the idea, there it is, awkward. awkward, you got it. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with emojis, that's the awkward emoji, okay? So, so when somebody texts you that, that means like you either said something that made them feel awkward or there's an awkward situation, all right? For those of us who are 40 and over, you didn't know that's what that is, right? So that's that face when you're going, like, Now here's a question to you this morning. Who of us this morning loves to feel awkward? (laughs) Nobody, right? The thing about awkwardness is that we avoid awkwardness at all costs. We, if um, some of us might, you know, if there's a party and we're not extroverted, or even Sunday morning when we say, hey, why don't you say hi to somebody? It's like all of a sudden it's like, Ooh, your face starts to feel red. You can feel your ears getting hot. You don't know what to do, and this is awkward, and how do I say hi? Some of us is just super fine. You know, it's not a problem. But the thing about awkwardness is we try to avoid awkward situations at all costs. We might even lie to get out of a situation. We, I mean, I don't know. There's, there's tons of it. And it's almost like the, the idea of self-preservation. It's an idol, Right? Because we want to avoid, we want to keep this appearance, or we, the, the fact of crossing over a certain threshold of uh, relational sociology, just, it, it's, it's like, I just can't do that. And now, I'm going to tell you a story, and I vetted this, maybe it wasn't as wise as I should have, I vetted it with Ryan McBride. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, if this offends you this morning, it's Ryan McBride's fault, but... Uh, some years ago, uh, maybe about 20 years ago, maybe, I, I can't remember, but I used to be uh, a server at Red Robin. And, um, you know, as Red Robin, if you've ever been there, it's kind of a family restaurant, kids are invited. It's not, you don't take yourself too seriously being at Red Robin, right? It's, it's not fine dining, it's just whatever it is. But I remember this, this time while I was waiting on tables, and I had this horrific cold, and I was kind of toward the end of it. And um, I asked my manager, hey, would you rather me stay home or would you rather me wait tables? I don't know why managers say, come in. Like, who, who here wants to get served by somebody going, like, nobody wants that, right? But my manager told me to come in anyway, so I was wrestling through this cold. And my, my nasal area was all c- congested and just, it was, you know, not pretty. Uh, so I walk up to the table and I greet the table and, you know, the customary thing, hey, Welcome to Red Robin. How's, how's it going today? Can I get you anything to drink? Get started. And as I'm speaking to this lovely family at the table, um, something flew out of this area and landed directly on the table. <laughs> and they saw it. I saw that they saw it. And we both just kind of looked at each other. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I'm going to go get you another server. Oh, sorry about that. And I just walked away. I don't know what happened, but it, let me just tell you that this was an awkward moment. <laughs> now, the reason why we're going through this awkward series is because the Bible has... Tons of these 
not that kind of awkward moments, but tons of awkward moments where most of us, especially in our today's society, avoid the things that often we see in the Bible at all costs. Whether it's sharing our faith with somebody, whether it's us personally together worshiping, or whether it's us drawing on God for, for his sustenance in our lives, the things that the Bible gives us uh, explanation, how we do those things, is not always completely socially acceptable. But the Bible doesn't give us this kind of way out and say, well, I get it that your culture doesn't do this and this, so if it crosses this threshold for you, that's eh, okay, just lay it aside. It doesn't do that. And this morning, we're going to look at an example of somebody who presses through an awkward situation. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 10. And some of you may be familiar with this. This is the story of a man named Bartimaeus, and he was blind. And we're going to start in verse 46 and read to the end of the chapter. Mark chapter 10, verse 46, it says, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho, this is Jesus and his disciples, and his disciples, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Actually, this is a really nice way in, in the original text. They're really just saying, shut up. Shut up. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart. Get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Let's pray. Lord, I, I just thank you for your word. I thank you um, that it's not silent, that even in what we would say awkward situations, you still give us a way through. And I pray for our hearts this morning, where often what we do is we, we lift up our self-preservation, we lift up reputation, um, we... we don't want to cross often the thresholds of what culturally is awkward or embarrassing or shameful. And we, we hold that higher often in, our, often in our hearts, Lord. And I pray that this morning, Holy Spirit, will you come and deconstruct that idol in our lives this morning where we hold on to those things, loose our fingers, let us let go and trust you this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word, and I pray that through your word you would change and transform us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So 
here's the question for us this morning. What, what can we possibly learn through this idea of awkwardness, through a blind beggar? Bartimaeus, surely we should learn from somebody who's got it all together, right? Somebody who comes from a, a well-to-do family who the Bible would speak of as, you know, faithful in all the religious practices and always fulfilling every part of the law and, you know, what we would consider a model Christian, very religious person. But what can you and I this morning learn from a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road. And I'm going to give us three things that help us press through the idol of not being awkward, okay? And I think the, the author Mark here helps us very well uh, understanding. So the first one is this understanding that Bartimaeus had this, I would say, blind faith. Now, I know it's a play on words, but he has this blind faith, and, and I would suggest that this morning blind faith is desperate. Blind faith is desperate. So let me ask you a question. How do you act when you're desperate? How do you act when you know you are in absolute need of something? You know, I, I pulled out my back a couple weeks ago, and that wasn't the first time I've ever pulled my back out. I, I've, I've, I've pulled my back out before. I remember one time I was sitting on the couch in a weird kind of way. We had the shea kind of thing on our couch that we used to have, and I was like laying funny on it. And I remember the moment I tried to get up, I was like, it was like I was paralyzed. I was alone in the house, except for Marianne was upstairs in the shower, and I was downstairs. And I remember this sense of utter hopelessness <laughs> and panic set in. I, I was crawling on the floor, and all I could do was yell out, Marianne! Like, I probably sounded like a five-year-old little boy. Man! Like, it, it, I was in so much pain. And she's like, she, I was just yelling and yelling and yelling until she finally hears me through the shower and upstairs. She comes downstairs like, what's the matter? And I'm like, I, I can't move. I need help. I, I just needed help to be able to get into a comfortable position. I was absolutely desperate. It was humiliating. I felt shame. I was a grown man. But how do we act in those moments of desperate? Do we allow awkwardness or the fear of being awkward to overcome us in those situations where we're desperate? Or do we actually cry out? Could you imagine this morning if somebody here among us just started crying out for Jesus? Right now. That would be really awkward, wouldn't it? If Brent this morning, he was just like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And we're, we all, what, what would we do? We'd all turn our heads and go, what the heck's going on? For some of us might be afraid because of things we've heard that it happens in churches, you know. And then once we realized what was happening, we would hope that some of the leaders would like inconspicuously, dude, get that guy out of here, right? And deal with him outside, quietly. You're disturbing what we're doing here. This matters, it's awkward. Why would somebody cry out like that? They're desperate. See, blind Bartimaeus didn't give a rip about what the crowd thought. He had no shame. And of course, you guys, the application is for us this morning. 
that question is, are you desperate for God? You know, what, what we can learn about from blind Bartimaeus is he's desperate. And so often, many of us go through our lives day in and day out as Christians with this graced knowledge that we've been given, like we have salvation, we have this, and we just kind of go through life and think we've got it all together. But what we don't actually understand is that we need God, and we should be desperate for him. Now, I'm not saying to be weird just to be weird. I'm not saying, please don't like start yelling out right, right now in this moment. That would be weird and awkward. But our heart attitudes often are just so far removed, we see ourselves as self-sufficient. We see ourselves as we've got everything that we need. We see ourselves as there's nothing more that I need to add to my life. I'm figuring out my Christianity, and it's going pretty well so far. That is the wrong posture of faith and attitude that we're supposed to take. Take a clue from blind Bartimaeus and cry out to Jesus. Whether that's you're going to work tomorrow, can you, let me ask you a question. Do you think you can do what God has called you to do in your workplace tomorrow without his empowering? Do you think you can go to school tomorrow and do what God's called you to do without his, do you think you can mother or father your children? Do you think you can husband your wife or wife your husband or be the neighbor that you need to be to your neighbor? Wherever it is that we go as Christians, everywhere and anywhere, do you think that we can do that without the empowering of God? We all say no. So then why don't we ask God to have mercy on us and to fill us and encourage us and empower us. I would suggest this morning, and I'm speaking to myself, the reason we don't cry out is because we're not desperate for God. When's the last time you were desperate? Was it when you hurt your back sitting on the couch? Was it when you thought the plane was going down? Was it when somebody told you your check bounced? Was it when... This and the, I don't know. It shouldn't be just in the moments of crisis that we declare our dependence on our Father. We should be living Christian lives as always desperate for God. Blind Bartimaeus is desperate. Number two, what else can we learn? I would say blind faith. I love this knows who Jesus is. What did, what did blind Bartimaeus say? He hears that Jesus is approaching, and what does he call Jesus? He says, have mercy on me, son of David. Now, this is the first time that this is kind of explained as an attribute of who Jesus is in this, in this gospel. And the fact that Bartimaeus uses this title for Jesus is quite interesting. It explains that he knows something about who Jesus is. See, the, the fact that he's son of David, he knows that he's come through the lineage of David the king, and he knows that the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed, the Christ, the Savior, will be coming through the line of David. And so in Bartimaeus's 
acknowledgement of, and, and his declaration of calling Jesus son of David, he's declaring the truth of who Jesus is. Now, what's the application for us this morning? So often what we do is we either attribute to who we want Jesus to be or we attribute Jesus to be only through what we've heard. You know, legend. Could you imagine being a blind guy and hearing stories about Jesus? What th- if you were to close your eyes and I were to tell you a story about a man healing people and t- changing people's lives, you would start to put together this picture of who you thought he was. It might be a magician. It might be a, a Pharisee who's really religious. It might be somebody. You, you have all these kind of things that are subjective to your heart. But what Bart, Bartimaeus does, he doesn't, he allows God to speak through him and he declares the truth of who Jesus is. And so often, we allow our faith to latch on to the things that we like about Jesus and not the things that are hard for us to understand about Jesus. What, what's that movie, uh, Talladega Nights? Where, uh, what, I don't know the character's name. Ricky Bobby. And they're, they're sitting down at dinner. Don't watch the movie, it's a terrible movie, okay? I'm not, I'm not advocating this movie. But they're sitting down and they're, they're all praying and he says, I like to pray to baby Jesus. All, all six pounds, seven ounces of them, cute, all wrapped up. Why? Because that was his understanding of who Jesus was. And then the other guy says, well, I like Jesus to be a, you know, I imagine Jesus wearing a tuxedo t-shirt. He says he's formal, but he knows how to party, right? And it's funny, but it's sadly true because we all have these kind of pictures of Jesus that we prefer, We all have these pictures of Jesus that we kind of like. We like the Jesus that was born in the manger, gentle, meek, and mild, coming to save the world, Emmanuel, God with us. But the idea of Jesus returning on a white horse with fire in his eyes and a sword in his mouth and a tattoo down his legs and his robe dipped in blood, that kind of Jesus is like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. That's a little rough for me. Or the Jesus that says, you don't love me unless you fall, leave your mother and father behind, your brothers and sisters. Let the dead bury their own dead. Whoa, 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 Jesus. That's kind of harsh. Bartimaeus doesn't do that. He cries out. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Last one, and this is where we're going to kind of camp a little bit. Not only is blind faith desperate, not only does blind faith acknowledge who Jesus is, but blind faith acknowledges true need. The awkwardness of true need is a huge idol for us to overcome. Look at verse 47. It says here that he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This whole thing of having mercy, he understood that he needed Jesus' mercy. And then in verses 50 through 52, it says, And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus, and Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? 
And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well, and immediately recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Uh, This whole thing about having mercy on me is this understanding that he needed God's mercy. He needed God to forgive him. He needed God to heal him. He needed God to intervene in his life. He was desperate. He acknowledged it. I love this thing about as well as he's throwing off his cloak. Uh, You know, often what beggars would do is they would sit on a mat. You'll read that often through the Gospels. And you'll see a beggar laying on his mat or sitting on his mat. And this same mat would be the same, like if they were to get up, they would throw it on there over their head or their cloak, and they would use it as a blanket or whatever and walk around. And then because they didn't have anything, they would also use it on what they would sleep or sit on. But this thing about Bartimaeus gets up and he throws off his cloak. I love this. Now, what it means for me is it's a picture of him letting go of all of who he is. The, the, the idea of giving up his past and what that would mean for Bartimaeus, I think, was probably a scary thing. And here's what I mean by that. So often, we find comfort or we find our identity, even if it's a thing of suffering, even if it's a thing of pain, we find our, our identity or our comfort in it because it's what we know. And when God calls us out to trust our lives to him and lay down that cloak of what we found our identity in, sometimes it's hard. Because what we're saying is, Lord, I'm going to like give my old way of begging for money I'm going to give my old way of what I identified to bring sustenance in my life, and I'm going to completely follow you. But Bartimaeus lays down his cloak. He jumps up and throws his cloak off. Such a good picture for us. Isn't it interesting as well that Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, it's like, Jesus, that's kind of rude, you know? Don't you see this guy's blind? Or like, it's, you know, it's not the fact that Jesus didn't know. Why do you think Jesus asked Bartimaeus that question? I think there's a couple reasons. I think one is, I think Jesus was surrounded by blind people all the time. He was surrounded by people who just kind of wanted the dog and pony show of Jesus. And we know that because the moment he's on trial to be crucified, or even Peter himself denies him three times. But we know that what is the, those same people that are following him out of uh, Jericho into Jerusalem are the same people that are yelling, crucify him. Why? Because the dog and pony show kind of ended. And here Jesus, what he's doing is he's saying, what do you, what do you really want? Are you like all the other disciples? Are you like all the, this other crowd that's just kind of got caught up in the, the excitement of what's happening? Or is there something that you truly need? What are you desperate for? Helen Keller said this. Someone asked Helen Keller if it was terrible to be blind. She responded, 
responded, it's better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. See, for you and me this this morning, the most appropriate response that we can have to Jesus when he asks us, what do you want, is to see. (laughs) Jesus says, what do you want? Oh, I want uh, a new car. I want, I want my bank account to, like, never be ending. I want every relationship I have. I want perfect health. I want, and the most appropriate response for you and I this morning is the same as blind Bartimaeus. Jesus, I want to see. What are the areas of your life this morning that you're spiritually blind What are the things in your heart where you're saying, ah, son of David, I don't really need mercy because I already kind of got it figured out. That, that right there tells you you're already blind. You will never cry out for a savior until you know you have sinned to be saved from. You never cry out to see until you know you're blind. Right? I wouldn't have cried out to Marianne in that moment if everything was totally fine. That would have been weird. Marianne! Wife of Kelly! Rescue me! She comes out, what's wrong? Nothing. Just messing with you, you know? That's strange. I had a need, I was desperate. Here's, here's some things where you can understand if you're blind. You never cry out until you know you need to see. Maybe some of us are so blind that we believe that we're good people. Maybe some of us are so blind that we're critical of others. Maybe some of us are so blind that we live for comfort. Maybe some of us are so blind that we become angry when things don't go our way. Maybe some of us are so blind that we're upset when others slow us down because they're crying out for Jesus. Maybe we're like the crowd. You know, Bartimaeus wasn't the only blind person in the story. You hear the shushes, that's a word, the shushes of the crowd over and over. Jesus, son of, shut up. Jesus, son of David, shut up. You're so annoying. Jesus, son of David, oh my gosh, this is is awkward. Like, can't you see we're trying to follow Jesus? Can't you see we're trying to be good disciples of Jesus? Can you please shut up? Can't you see we're trying? You know, Jesus might have been teaching while he's walking to Jericho or into Jerusalem. We're trying to listen to what Jesus has to say. I don't care. Jesus, have mercy on me. Shut up. Will you please be? Oh, wait. What was that? Oh, well, take heart. Jesus is calling you. (laughs) 
You know, you ever sit in traffic and you got somewhere to go? It's usually in the morning. And you, you, you get up every time and you know, if I leave by this time, I'm probably going to get to work by this time, whatever. And so you're, everyone's on a mission, right? Whatever time. It's like from 6.30 to about 9. It's just like, don't get on the freeway. And then that one day where traffic is like brutal, and you're like, oh my gosh, there must be like a helicopter life-lifting someone out. It mu- that must be the problem. So you're in like 30 minutes of traffic. All you see is red lights. And then what do you see on the side of the road? A man changing a tire. <laughs> what the heck? I just sat through this traffic for that? And, and then you start to get angry. It's like all these, you know, rubbernecks. Why can't they just, you honk your horn. Don't look at the man changing the tire. Put your foot on the gas pedal. And it was the same way for these guys going into Jerusalem with Jesus. Why is this, what's going on? Why is the crowd stopped? Oh, I think there's, there's some weirdo up there. And then you get closer to him and you're like, dude, don't you see you're causing all this commotion? We're trying to get to Jerusalem. We're trying to be good disciples of Jesus. Will you please be quiet? I don't care. Son of David, have mercy on me. There's more than one blind person in the story. And even the disciples, if you go back in these gospels, you see over and over again, they don't get it, they don't understand. Jesus tells them, if you're gonna be first, you gotta be last. I've come to lay down my life. I'm gonna be the servant of all. And you think they go, okay, I got it. I think we're on the right track now. Let's keep walking around along the road. And then blind Bartimaeus comes, and what do they tell him? Shut up. The challenge for us this morning is to not be the blind person in the crowd, to recognize our blindness, to overcome our awkwardness, to say, Lord, I recognize that I need you. I'm desperate. Lord, I recognize that you are who you are. I'm not going to find healing. I'm not going to find my way forward. I'm not going to find liberation. I'm not going to find the power of your kingdom through my own effort. It's going to be me acknowledging you, Jesus, Son of David, the Messiah, the Anointed, the Christ, the One. And I put my hope, I put my trust in you. Lord, I want to see. Now here's the last thing. Isn't it beautiful that Jesus calls him. We all think Jesus should have just been like, oh, another beggar. Oh, just get on with it. Teach your disciples what you're teaching them. Don't let this distraction deter you from what you're doing. And Jesus says, no, you know what? Everybody, hold on a second. Call this guy over. And Jesus does that with us this morning. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to have all our ducks in a row. We don't have to do all the good Christian religious things. What we need to do is say, Jesus, I need you. God, will you please rescue me? And Jesus is faithful to stop the crowds, to stop everything, and he'll go to the one person who needs the help. Stop what we're doing. Call him here. All we have to do this morning is say, Lord, I'm desperate, I know who you are, and I acknowledge my need in you. Don't allow awkwardness, even if it's a Sunday morning, 
we all have our, like even when we're singing, right? We all have our comfort zones of how we respond to God. Sometimes when the band gets a little bit, you know, it's like boisterous and loud and really like into it. Some of us are like, you know, this is as much as I could do this morning. You, you feel your toes starting to tap a little bit. Stop it. <laughs> Why do we do that? I get it. We're all, we, some of us come from different church traditions. But usually it's because of the idol of awkwardness in our hearts. Or maybe, maybe somebody this week, God's going to lay on your heart to go speak to them about Jesus. And you have no relational bridge with them. That's the... That's the this face. It's awkward. Maybe there's a horn going off in the middle of church <laughs> while someone's trying to preach a sermon. <laughs> and the preacher's trying to pretend like it's not happening. And you realize it's the thing in your purse. <laughs> awkward, right? Lord Jesus, make that stop. should all be very afraid. <laughs> Here, here's, my, here's my challenge to us this morning. We're called to be people of light, city on a hill, faith, salt to the earth. When's the last time you step out of your awkward comfort zone and cried out to God for him to use you or to show his power in your life? It could be just one little area. Maybe it's evangelism. I remember, I remember one time I was in a restaurant and these two ladies were sitting there. And I felt like God told me, just go over and talk to them. And I'm like, oh my gosh. There's no way. What am I going to say? And so I didn't know what to say. I just felt like, and so I just came over and I said, hey, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said I'm sorry. I just said, I, you know, I see you're having dinner here. I I'm a Christian. I felt like God told me to come over and talk to you. I don't know what to tell you, uh, but I just, maybe this is what he wants to, I feel like God wants to tell you that he loves you. Dude, one of the ladies just starts bawling, crying. And then I end up praying for her. It was so awkward going over to them. Because they both looked at me like, yeah. But I stepped out of the awkward zone, or my comfort zone, into the awkward area trusted God for what he wanted to do for this person. And it's not just evangelism. It's every area of our lives. It's every area of faith. It's every area of our Christian walk. Don't allow awkwardness to be the idol that we measure our obedience to God, right? Will you stand with